<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, before we start the show today, let's talk about the after party on our Patreon page. Every Friday, Kimberly Johnson and I record a fourth podcast each week, but this one is different from the usual Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shows. The Friday after party podcast is loaded with all the politics you want, while also including uncensored, completely obscene conversations about sex, drugs, movies, television, and our personal lives, and all the stuff we can't get away with on the free show. Don't miss out. Please help support this show by subscribing to our Friday after party podcast podcast for just $10 per month. Plus, you'll also get two postmortem shows every week for that price. That's bobseskashow.com or just click the all caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. And now let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, January 6, 2021, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. My guest today is a former Army major with the 82nd Airborne, a former presidential candidate, a two-time recipient of the Bronze Star, and a former state senator from West Virginia, the great Richard Ojeda is here today to talk about the storming of the Capitol building in Washington. We're also going to talk about unions, healthcare, medical cannabis, outreach to West Virginia voters and so much more. You can listen to his podcast called Airborne on YouTube, link in the description. And you can follow him on Twitter at Ojeda for America with the number four in there. Meanwhile, if you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe to our bonus content at patreon.com slash show. Okay, let's chat with Major Richard Ojeda. Major Richard Ojeda, it's so great to have you on the show. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Bob. I appreciate you uh, allowing me to come on. Oh, my pleasure, man. Um, before we dig into everything going on today, I, of course, know you from John Melendez's show. We were both on the other day. And uh, I also know you from Twitter. I've seen you all over the place. You've got a huge following out there, massive reach. So let's talk about you a little bit. Where are you from originally, Richard? Well, I grew up in uh, Logan County, West Virginia, uh, the wow. southern part of the state in the coal fields. Mm. Uh, and as I was growing up, you know, I mean, I, when I graduated from high school, I had three opportunities. It was dig coal, sell dope, or join the military. And <laughs> since I had people on my in my family that went, you know, I've had people in my family that went to prison for drugs. I had people mm. in my family that spent 30 to 40 years in the coal industry. And uh, they always told us that those were not the ways to go. So, you know, I chose the military. That's pretty amazing. How many tours of duty did you end up doing? 
Well, I got four uh, combat deployments, but three yeah. of them were actual combat deployments. One of them was was to a to a a, surra- a country that was next to it, but it was all considered a combat in the combat zone. Yeah, yeah. But I got two actual deployments to Iraq and one to Afghanistan. So you uh, you enlisted in when nineteen eighty nine originally, right? And then when the yep. Iraq War broke out, and this is the second Iraq War. This is after nine eleven, right? And and that's where you. Yes initially were deployed it was a ramadi fallujah were you in the green zone where were you in iraq well you know in iraq i was in baghdad mm-hmm. and then the second time i was up in the balad area now okay. what i did was i ran a combat security team so i traveled all across the country i mean i've i've, I've been to fallujah ramadi wow. to crit uh you know just all over al-assad everywhere uh, basically if somebody needed uh, a safe you know, transport from point A to point B in Iraq, they could call and request us to be the ones that provided them with that security. And uh, that's what we did. We would get up, you know, early in the morning, put weapons and ammo on the, uh, the vehicles, and usually we'd pick somebody up and spend the whole entire day outside the wire, you know, traveling people or traveling uh, across, you know, the country. And how did you end up uh, getting deployed to Afghanistan, too? Is this something, because, I mean, I have, a, I have a family member who's a Marine, and he desperately wanted to redeploy to Afghanistan. They ultimately didn't let him because he served a bunch of tours in Iraq. But So he didn't end up getting deployed to Afghanistan. How did you end up uh, going from Iraq to Afghanistan, given that you had spent so much time in well, Iraq? I was in the 82nd Airborne Division, and mm. we had just come back. Uh, I was on the Global Response Force, yeah. and we were the ones that were the first people on the ground with the earthquake in Haiti. So we went down there, and that was a brutal deployment. And then when we come back from Haiti, uh, the 325th Airborne Infantry Regiment, 82nd Airborne Division, come down on orders for another deployment to Iraq. Mm. And uh, it was going to be a 2010 deployment to Iraq. I had already been to Iraq a couple times. And, you know, honestly, it was about it was part of New Dawn, Operation New Dawn, which was basically getting everything out of Iraq, removing all the equipment and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'm a combat soldier. So to me, I'm not about to go and spend a deployment counting, you know, equipment and stuff once we bring it out of the country. Mm -hmm. So I called my branch and I asked them if they had anything going to Afghanistan because I hadn't been to Afghanistan. And they told me that they were trying to find uh, uh, combat advisors, uh, basically uh, security forces assistant uh, chiefs to go and, and, and help Afghanis to be able to defend and equip and fight against the Taliban. So, Mm -hmm. You know, I went down to Fort Polk, Louisiana, went through the, the Tigerland training and uh, got certified as a as a SFAT member. And then I deployed with the 10th Mountain Division to Afghanistan. Just incredible. And you won not one, but two bronze stars. How did you end up earning the, the bronze stars? Well, you know, the bronze stars, it was it was all the uh, the, the, the operations that we did throughout the entire year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, in Afghanistan, I would I was outside the wire. Uh, every single day, pretty much my entire time that I was in Afghanistan, I was outside the wire traveling all over. Uh, I started in the beginning part where I was actually operating with the sniper team. Mm. And then me and 13 other Americans ended up going to Bamiyan. And we were the only Americans in the entire province. And we conducted operations throughout the entire year. And the same thing in terms of Iraq is me and my guys, we were outside the wire every single day in Iraq. We dealt with all kinds of stuff, ambushes, IEDs, BBIEDs, mm-hmm. small arms fire, 
I mean, we dealt with all that stuff. So at the end of the year, you know, I was a company commander, uh, you know, and, and then I was a, a, an SFAT team chief and both of those uh, positions basically were, you know, I, I was given bronze stars for those. Wow. Thank you for your service. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, too, because I run into this all the time. I feel like uh, the war in Afghanistan is, I think, one of the more misunderstood uh, conflicts that are going on, still going on now. What are some of the things that uh, people stateside don't understand about what's happening in Afghanistan, both when you were there and maybe even now? Well, first off, Afghanistan is the most beautiful country on the earth, huh. uh, on this planet. That's a fact. It, it, I call it ruggedly beautiful. Wow. And if you go to my Facebook page, you can look at, I got like 10 albums of, of Afghan uh, pictures, and they're just absolutely beautiful. Hmm. The people in Afghanistan are basically prisoners. Uh, the Taliban is, it has, you know, has, has taken over. And I mean, they're just brutal and they expect the people there to follow the rules. It's Sharia law. And, uh, they're, they're very cruel. I'm talking about, they don't care. They don't want, uh, young girls to be educated. I can remember when, uh, I was in an area, I was in a place called Juarez and I, I got a, a call on the radio and said that you got to get over to Punjab because there was a school over there for females that the Taliban poisoned the water. And I mean, by the time we got to it, I mean, there were bodies on the ground. They are ruthless, ruthless. And you know, these people in Afghanistan, they don't have anything. You've never in your life seen poverty uh, like that before in your life. Uh, But you know, a lot of people, they don't understand. These are people that just want to be able to live their lives and not have to worry about groups like the Taliban coming in mm-hmm. and, and, and just brutalizing them. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, really hard. It's hard to do because the, the, the terrain in Afghanistan is, is so hard to operate in. We lost a guy and it took 16 hours to recover his body oh because we couldn't get, we couldn't get air support mm-hmm. to help us get the body. And then when we got the body, we really couldn't get the body out until the next day. So, you know, everybody, you know, better put him in a cooler and, and, and everybody slept around the cooler that night. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's a very, very tough place to live, yeah. much less a place that you have to fight in. It's, it's, it's very, very dangerous. And yeah. make no mistake about it. If you let your guard down for one minute, that guy that you don't think has anything to do, he'll get you. And uh, just to be clear, you identify as a progressive Democrat, and one of the things that I find myself getting into little debates with uh, my fellow Democrats is about whether or not we can precipitously pull out of Afghanistan right now. And one of my big concerns is, of course, not necessarily Afghanistan, but Pakistan, because of the nuclear weapons there and the very real danger that Islamic uh, factions could end up getting their hands on some of those nuclear materials. Are you kind of uh, along those lines of thinking, or do you feel like, yeah, you know what, enough's enough, we need to get out? Well, you know, we need to get out, but here's the thing, is that you it, picking up and just leaving is not going to be the answer. Mm-hmm. We did that in Iraq in 2010, and then we saw what happened. The ISIS took over, and now we're back in there. We're fighting in, we're fighting in northern Iraq. We're fighting in, in Syria. Yeah. What has to happen is, is that we should pull the majority of our troops out. 
of Afghanistan. Yeah. But there's no reason why we can't ma- maintain a brigade-level force in the country mm-hmm. that basically is to provide overwatch. It's no different than the Sinai mission, where every six months you have a brigade element that will go, and they will they will basically you know stay there. And 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 they've been doing this, I think, since since you know uh, Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> Egypt and 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 the the nineteen sixty something war, uh, I mean that's pretty much been that mission, mm-hmm. and I think that we're going to have to maintain that because you know if we pull out completely, you're going to see the same thing that happened in Iraq with ISIS, and wow. we can't allow that to happen. We've already put in too much money to spill too much blood. Uh, you know I don't want to stay in these places forever. I don't like forever wars. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, until we can convince our country to stop participating in some of these things, uh, you know, we just we just can't pick up and, and run. You know, it's a, it's a shame. And, and we can go back and we can talk about the mistakes that our country made because our country did make mistakes. Yeah. Our country should have never fired every single military person uh, after we took down Iraq, mm-hmm. because the moment that we fired those 300,000 military folks, now they can't feed their family, and then they automatically become insurgents. We could have kept the, the Iraqi military and told them, you guys maintain the peace in your country while we overwatch a new election, uh, the prosecution of, of, of Saddam Hussein, and then we'll pull smoke, get out of here, and you guys can get back to business. And now you'll have a, a free uh, uh, and fair election in Iraq, and, and all these good things can come from that. You know, but we didn't. We went ahead and fired everybody. And I have to say that sometimes I think that the reason why we pulled out of Afghanistan when we had Osama bin Laden held up in the Tor Bor Mountains Mm -hmm. was because we wanted to. We had people like Dick Cheney and those people who knew that if we went ahead and, and pursued Osama bin Laden and got him, then we wouldn't have an excuse to do things like invade Iraq. And that's exactly what we did. And and I'll tell you right now, it was nothing but a big money racket. I will tell you this: we had two, we had 164,000 troops in Iraq in 2004-2005. Halliburton and Brown and Root were getting $200 per day per troop Jesus. to eat. Yeah. If you think for one second that I was eating $200 a day, I was up at 4 o'clock in the morning. We were loading weapons and ammo, and we went outside the wire. We were living on MREs, and maybe once a day we were lucky enough to get a good meal. <laughs> and it wasn't worth no $200, I can tell you that, but it was all about money. Hmm. And I have to believe that our country and our government actually did this so that we could find ourselves bogged down in something like this where we're there you know, partners in crime could, could enrich themselves and they sure have. Do you know a lot of guys who uh, resigned their commission and decided to go uh, private, you know, just join up with one of the private contractors, just, you know, at at least for the meals (laughs) to get the better food. I mean, I I don't know what their motivation might've been, but yeah. Well, I know, I know people that got out of the military. I don't think I know anybody that resigned their commission, but people got out of the military. Yeah. Because, you know, we're over there in Iraq and Afghanistan and, and hell, our, our, you know, staff sergeants and below that have, have one or two kids qualify for food stamps. And we're over there fighting huh. the friggin' enemy 
And then you've got these Brown and Root guys that come over there, and they're making $350,000 a year. Every three months they get to go home for two weeks and hang out with their family and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and I'll be honest with you, I was no fan of that, those guys. I, I, I despise guys mm-hmm. because they were they were cowboys i'm i'm trying to get a guy that was a brown and root or no, no, a, a blackwater guy on my podcast here in the next week or two uh to at least record it but uh you know they were told things like no matter what you do in country it will not be used against you in any court of law which is why they went over there and a lot of them were acting like they were cowboys and they would do things. I mean, we actually held put pointed weapons at them mm-hmm. and refused to allow them to pass us because we were worried if they go past us, they're going to speed up and get a couple miles down the road and they're going to go through a damn village and just randomly start shooting, which is what a lot of times they were caught doing. Yeah. And then we would pull up you know, 10 minutes later after they done got everybody in a friggin' frenzy. And now we, we're driving through an area, getting shot at and blown up. And, and, and that's the cop, that's the type of, of, of things that actually took place over there. Uh, I mean, you know, I'll tell you right now, when, when these people, when the, when the Baghdad embassy was, was attacked a couple of weeks ago and Donald Trump immediately tried to say it was Iran. It was absolute bullshit. It wasn't <laughs> Iran. That was the people in Iraq who were absolutely livid that Donald Trump took their justice away from those four guys that were sentenced after murdering those people in downtown Baghdad. Mm -hmm. How would you like to run the Pentagon? (laughs) Well, you know, I don't know. I I don't really, I don't really consider myself to be, uh, you know, a a person that, that, that should hold that type of, of, of power or responsibility. I'm not saying that I can't do it, I'm just saying that, you know, I, I think that there's people out there that are better than me mm. that could do that. You know, I, I mean, you know, General David Petraeus, you know, I, I took him outside the wire in Afghanistan, you know, and, and General Caldwell, these type of folks. They're, they are absolutely some of the most amazing patriots on the planet. They're so intelligent. General McChrystal, the intelligence from people like this. Mm-hmm. These are the ones that I am surprised our government hasn't reached out and said, hey, we want you to run this. Yeah. Because, you know, honestly, I mean, let me tell you something. You, you've got to know General David Petraeus. Hmm. And I can remember briefing him one time. And I will tell you that, you know, you can take a, a slide and it can be populated with a ton of stuff. And you'll pop the slide up there, and Dental Petraeus will look at it, and he'll go, got it. Yeah. <laughs> you need to go ahead and flip. To, you flip to the next slide. And mm-hmm. make no mistake about it, he's got it. Everything on that slide, he sees, he processes it as fast as anybody I've ever seen in my life. And make no mistake about it, you better flip the slide because you ain't wasting his time. But he gets it. He's one of the most intelligent people. That it, I mean, you have to go back and look at his career. This guy went to the Command General Staff College as a captain, which normally it's for majors and lieutenant colonels. And he, he become the honor graduate from that. General David Petraeus is one of the most brilliant minds that we have. And yeah, did he get caught doing doing the wrong thing with with the woman that was uh, uh, writing his uh, his biography? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. But you know what? I'm not going to daggone throw any any stones at him because you're talking about a guy that literally for four straight years lived in Iraq and only saw yeah. his wife when he would fly home to brief Congress, mm-hmm. you know, for a couple of days and he was gone. So I'm not going to hold anything against anything that he has done. All I know is that that man right there 
shows more leadership than 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 anything I've ever seen in Washington D.C. And I think that people like him and General Caldwell and, and and General McChrystal and General Mattis, I believe that those are the types of folks that really should be you know brought in to 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 run things like the Pentagon. So it sounds like uh, when it comes to the debate about whether there should be civilian leadership at the top of the uh, Department of Defense, you seem to land on, well, it doesn't necessarily matter as long as you got smart guys. Is that uh, what I'm reading here? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we need to have smart people who also are people that understand what selfless service means, mm-hmm. and understands, you know, how important our democracy is. Let me tell you something. You show me somebody who spent their entire adult life fighting for it, they're going to respect it. That's right. You know, I'm telling you right now, you know, I believe that we've got a lot of people around here, and some of them even may be in Congress that have never actually read the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I think that, you know, our education system is, in America is failing us miserably. You know, the first time I read the Constitution, I was in the Army. I never I, – I didn't get a class when I was in school about the Constitution. You know, and, and 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 if that was supposed to happen, then where I'm from, the the education system failed us. Uh, but that's something that needs to take place, and we can see now how many people out here that are marching, swinging, swinging a Trump sign that don't know nothing about the Constitution except somebody told them that there's an amendment that says you can keep your gun. Oh, that's yeah. the only thing that they know about the Constitution, mm-hmm. and it's a shame. And people need to be educated. In fact, uh, there are a lot of people who don't know what the hell they're doing, what the hell they're talking about. In fact, I feel like the internet came along too soon. I feel like people are incapable at this level of evolution of being able to digest information there's just no way they just can't deal with the glut of information they don't know what to believe they don't know who to believe so consequently you get people like donald trump who can manipulate millions and millions of americans and it's really really pathetic and and that's exactly what he did yep yep and that's exactly what he did and Mm -hmm. here's the here's the fear the fear is is now somebody down the road who has watched all this and is going to look at this and then they're going to come back later and basically do the same thing Donald Trump did, except they're going to be just a little bit smarter. And they may actually be able to pull this dictatorship thing off. You know, nobody reads a book anymore. Uh, Everybody just goes and they use memes. Mm. Uh, They, they, you know, we, we in this country, you know, Ronald Reagan did so much damage to this country and allowing the news media to not have, uh, you know, differences of opinions between your new station, you know, where you've got a Republican and a Democrat, you know, at least that way people get to see both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we've got things like Fox News and for Fox to even allow, you know, or for our country to allow Fox to continue with the moniker of news is absolutely unacceptable and it's dangerous. We need to hold our our news media accountable. If a news resource, if a news media is pushing lies, they need to be dealt with because people are falling for this stuff. And what we see is what we got right now in Washington D.C., where there has been there has shown no evidence of widespread voter fraud. There's no evidence at all that the machines were faulty, that the machines were manipulated. They have no evidence at all. Donald Trump is one victory and 60-some losses 
The only victory he got got him a couple hundred votes, and that was it. Mm-hmm. They did find people that were were voting the dead, and it turns out they were voting the dead for Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. But yet you have literally millions of people in this country that are still screaming fake news. This was a steal, and it, that's the danger that we have. Some of these people in Washington D.C. make no mistake about it. If they if they if they have, feel they have to, they will squeeze triggers. And Donald Trump is completely fine with that mm-hmm. because Donald Trump has never been told no in his entire life. And Donald Trump thinks that not only when he became the president, he immediately assumed that he owned this country and it was his, mm-hmm. and he had no desire to ever turn it over. Had he won this race. In the next four years, Donald Trump will have solidified his dictatorship, and in 2024, he would have never left. (laughs) Exactly right. You know, and uh, I've been dying to ask you, Richard. First of all, you left the military in, what, uh, 2014? And then uh, the thing I want to ask you the most is— how did you manage to get elected to the West Virginia Senate as a Democrat? That's an immense feat, knowing the uh, demographics in that state. How did you do it? Well, I ran against the guy that nobody else would challenge. They were scared <laughs> of him because he ran he, okay, he ran this way, area yeah. with an iron fist. Uh-huh. Well, he ran this place with an iron fist. Yeah. And I basically said, you know what? I ain't going to take a shit. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm retired military, so I've got a retirement coming in. So me and my wife's never going to live under a bridge. And, you know, I, I challenged him, and I found out really fast that this guy could not debate. This guy was absolute clueless, and I would go and I would smoke him everywhere that we went. But two days before of the election, I was lured away from a political gathering under the disguise of friendship. And when I went to put a bumper sticker on that a guy asked me to put on his, his vehicle, I put one on the back of his vehicle. Then he said, could you put one on the front so people could see me coming and going? So when I walked around to the front and kneeled down, the next thing you know, I'm looking up and everybody says, don't move. Ambulance is on the way. He had cracked me in the back of the head with a pipe, then rolled me over and with brass knuckles broke eight bones in my face. Oh, my God. Uh, and I ended up, yes, I won my state Senate seat from the emergency room at Charleston Area Medical Center. And what's really sad is that that guy got a slap on the wrist and didn't even do six months in jail in a nonviolent facility. Why? Because the entire courtroom, the entire courthouse, and the leadership in Logan County were all behind it. They knew that if I didn't die on that creek bank, I'd be the next state senator. And two days later, I become the next state senator from the emergency room in Charleston Area Medical Center. Jesus Christ, man. You were in Iraq, Afghanistan, tours of duty there uh, during the War on Terror. Holy shit. And you get attacked and put in the hospital, putting a bumper sticker on a guy's car. Jeez, what is running through your head at that point as you wake up in the emergency room? And I I can't even imagine. Did that on some level discourage you from interacting with voters? I mean, what was your. Yeah, I I don't imagine you would cower away from, uh, you know, confronting people. No, 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 no. Well, actually. I won the primary there, and, and I beat him. Yeah. Then I had to still run the, the general election. I'll tell you right now, within two weeks after all my surgeries, I was out on the road. I wow. was back out there. I didn't care. You know, I, I will tell you that the first couple of days, it was hard because it was in and out. I was in and out of consciousness. I can remember just like I can remember opening my eyes, and, and I can remember my, my daughter. I can remember my daughter's tears 
oh, uh, hitting on my face. You know, I can remember I can remember hearing my wife, uh, you know, talk to 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 people, and and I could I could I could remember their anger. Uh, but I'll tell you right now, as soon as I was able to stand on my feet, I was back out there. Look, I don't care. You gonna have to kill me. And I'm not trying to act like I'm some big major hero or anything like that. But I, I, I refuse to let anybody bully me. I have worked too hard. I spent 24 years in the military, and, and I will not let anybody push me around and tell me what I got, what I can and can't do. I don't give two shits what anybody has to say. <laughs> Good for you. Right on, man. You know, I've always said we need more Democrats who look and sound exactly like you. I mean, has your military service well, well, and, and, and small C conservative appearance helped you uh, connect with West Virginians who – might not otherwise support a progressive Democrat? I mean, do you think that uh, your, your background got you a leg up there? Well, most people, you know, this is a place that, that, is, that is always been a place where everybody, you know, you think people care for the, for the, for the, the veterans, mm-hmm. but make no mistake about it. It's, it's, it's the opposite. Uh, you know, everybody loves the veteran until you run for office, and then they will attack you like you ain't never seen, mm-hmm. and that's exactly the way that it is. Look, you know, I'm a Democrat, but I'm a real Democrat. There's a lot of people out there that are full of shit Democrats. They're fake. <laughs> I'm a Democrat that believes in fighting for the working class citizens. Mm-hmm. I'm a Democrat that believes we got to do everything in our power to protect our unions. And that don't mean that I, I like union bosses because a lot of the union bosses need to be friggin' run out of town because they're a bunch of, they crawl in bed with the enemy all the time. Mm-hmm. I believe in taking care of the elderly. I believe that if I'm going to send you away and break you in combat, then I'm going to fix you when you come home. And that's what a Democrat does. A Democrat tries to help people that are living in poverty to elevate themselves out of poverty with a hand up, not necessarily a hand out. That's what a real Democrat is, and that's what I am. Now, where I'm at right now, I don't think there's very many real Democrats. I think there's a lot of people around here that blow smoke up people's backsides, but at the end of the day, they'll sell their daggone mother out if they think it's going to benefit them. Uh, And then I also come from a state that's absolutely just sickening in terms of the people that they will send to represent them in the Capitol. When I was a state senator, I had so much trouble with people because I got into, I mean, you know, I pissed everybody off. It was my speech that started the teacher strike. Hmm. I, I made West Virginia the 29th state for medical cannabis, and everybody told me, even the Democrats, you better not do that. You're going to make enemies. I don't give two shits about what somebody has to say. <laughs> I'm there trying to daggone help help these 22 veterans that are committing suicide every day hmm. to be reduced to zero by maybe giving them a non-addictive form of pain management cannabis that can help them out. That's right. So, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm going to be me. I'm going to fight my battles, and I don't give two shits when anybody else has to say about it. <laughs> Good for you. And you know, we talked about this the other day. But knowing the people of West Virginia as you do, are you still convinced they're reachable? I mean, do you feel like uh, that these people who have gone to the you know the the Red Hat faction—they're part of the Trump cult. They're part of the Trump Red Hat army. I mean, do you think they're reachable? Can we no. can we pull them back, or no. are they just gone? I feel like they're gone no no west virginia is a place that is going to have to burn to the ground before it can rise from the ashes and i'll tell you this right now it amazes me 
You know, these people still think Donald Trump is the second coming of Christ. The biggest issue when I ran for Congress in 2018, and I was number one out of all 435 races in turning red votes blue, but I still lost because I ran in the reddest district of the country. And Donald Trump come down here directly and, and campaigned against me and tried to act like my history comes from the, the caravan that was coming from Guatemala. That was the number one issue with West Virginia voters in 2018, not jobs, not the opioid epidemic that was destroying our communities and killing hundreds of people in, in these families, but the fact that immigrants were walking from Guatemala. That was the number one issue when they polled West Virginia's what was wrong with this country. And, you know, they, they will vote for these people that absolutely don't do shit for them. When I, was, uh, when I was a state senator, we had a guy, and he was a coal miner. Mm-hmm. And you would think that a guy that's a coal miner would be fighting tooth and nail to do everything in his power to try and help coal miners. Man, this guy pushed legislation that removed the wage bond. Uh, I mean, just, it's just garbage. Uh, and, and, and these people don't – nobody pays attention to their legislators in the Capitol, so this kind of stuff happens, and, and that's it. And nobody wants to pay attention, but you know, all they want to do is, is wave their Trump flags, and they're going to have to see this state that is completely red now. Uh, it's, it's the second poorest state in the country. It's the first in terms of the most sad state. And, and they're going to stay that way until they finally probably let the Republicans burn everything down. All right, we'll get back to our conversation with Richard here in just a second. But just for my listeners, the Clean Phone, which is the top brand in UV sanitizing, is now offering their top-rated, top-selling, best-reviewed wand product at 50% off and free two-day shipping. The Clean Phone wand is a handheld UV sanitizer that helps you eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and kill viruses in seconds on virtually any surface. It uses the same proven sanitizing technology employed by hospitals. You can use it on packages, groceries, keyboards, tablets, money. Take it everywhere with you at 50% off, free two-day shipping for a limited time. It's the perfect gift for anyone who needs it. It's super portable, and with days of battery life, you can take it anywhere and make sure your environment is clean and safe. COVID cases are on the rise, so get the Clean Phone Wand at 50% off right now. They're also going to take an extra 60% off a second wand. Go to thenewdealshop.com that's thenewdealshop.com thank you there was a period of time Richard where I thought that maybe with the right arguments maybe if Democrats went door to door and presented the facts of whatever issue that they could peel away some of those people but I feel like after this past year and just the ridiculous uh, over the top reaction to doing the, the right thing when it comes to the pandemic doing the right thing when it comes to issues and Donald Trump no, uh, no not anymore they're unreachable they're unconvincible no. They're gone. Let, let me tell you, in 2018, I put boots on the ground in every single county. Mm-hmm. I did town halls. I did live videos every night talking to people and answering any question that anybody had. I traveled everywhere. I made myself available to everybody. My opponent refused to answer questions. She would not talk to the media. And the only thing that she did was she did a commercial that said, I'll, she did a commercial attacking my military uh, record, and then she basically did a commercial that says, I'm just going to do whatever Donald Trump wants, Ugh. and she won. 
she won. So, you know, that's the type of, you know, these people around here know that she hasn't done nothing for them. In the last two years, the only thing she did was read two pieces of paper verbatim, and that's it. She mm-hmm. just won re-election. She, uh, her family owns five car dealerships, and every one of those car dealerships got between 350000 and a million dollars each in those PPP loans that they don't have to pay back. And yet these people around here still send her back to Washington, D.C. I, it's, it's, I don't need it. Yeah. And that's the thing. I don't need it. I don't need to stay here. Everything that I've built, they, they've done their, their best to destroy. I, I started an ROTC program in Logan County, West Virginia, in all three of the high schools. We sent kids to college with full rides every single year, and they killed my program. You know why? Because they couldn't stand the fact that everybody was going, man, that program's doing a lot of good things for those kids out there. And, oh, by the way, Ojeda did that program. Yep. Nope. The Board of Education voted to kill it, even though the Army told them, if you kill this program, we will never allow another ROTC program ever to be in Logan County. And they killed it anyway. That's what leadership in Logan County is is, is about. And it's, it's, it's just it's sad. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It sounds like and it looks like based on everything we've seen, especially in the, the past six months, uh, if not the past year, the past four years, is they need to be burned by the fire first before they learn not to touch the hot stove. And that is a sad state of affairs when you have to, uh, you know, be in a place where millions of people end up getting a virus before they figure out, oh shit, I should have done something to protect myself and the people around me. <laughs> but it's too late. It doesn't matter if you're Chris Christie and you go, uh, you know what? I, sh- I should have worn a mask. I should have socially distanced, but I didn't. I screwed up. Yeah, yeah that's all well and good now after you know 10 months of screwing with the entire uh, pandemic response process. Yeah, let me tell you, I can take you to places where literally the house looks like it's rotting to the ground and it's got a friggin' Trump flag still flying on it. Mm -hmm. You know, these people, I mean, you, you're dirt poor, you're poor and nobody brings you anything. Nobody that you send to, to Charleston or to Washington DC ever brings any opportunities here. The coal mines where I am from, the coal miners are working for half pay. And the reason why is because they're not mining coal. They're actually going into the coal mines and are bringing all of the equipment out, and they're dismantling the entire coal operation. You know, And these people still are voting for these daggone Republicans yeah. that don't care about them. But the reason why is the Republicans come around and they say, God, gays, and guns. And that's all they care about. Mm-hmm. That's all they care about. You tell everybody that you worship the Lord. You tell everybody that that uh, you don't believe in 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 anybody getting rights in the LGBTQ community. You you claim that you're pro life when really you're nothing more than pro birth. Uh, every every Republican <laughs> is pro life until the mistress gets pregnant. Yeah, you know. And, and and then they talk about how you ain't ever got to worry. I'm going to protect your Second Amendment rights. That's a kind of, a person that's running for state. You can't do shit anyway when it comes to that stuff, you know. But these people yeah. don't know it. They don't know any better than that shit. They have no clue. And half these people that are in that on the legislature, I'm going to tell you, I, a lot of them. There, it was a it was a popularity contest. It had nothing to do with the content of their character or the intelligence in their friggin' head because they lack both. And it was just in some level of madness, Richard, to see these people voting for Republicans, knowing that 
Republicans want to appeal the Affordable Care Act and that the Affordable Care Act is actually protecting every single coal worker in West Virginia. It's an amazing thing to behold. I mean, there is actual coverage in the Affordable Care Act that helps coal workers they have no idea. They have no clue. And it yeah. seems like, again, you could go door to door and say, well, hey, here, look, here's in the law about how coal workers get special health care coverage for black lung. Uh, and they'll go, well, it's fake news. That's <laughs> fake. Well, you know what? You can't help those yeah. people. Right. Yep. Yep. It's it's a shame. And, and, and you know what? It's like, look at the states. Look at the states that are controlled by Republicans. They're the poorest. Their work conditions are the worst. I mean, these people, they don't care about anybody. I can remember one of the bills that we fought on. They were basically removing the countermeasures that kept cranes from falling over. (laughs) And basically, at the end of the day, it was basically that the company, it would think that it was a lot cheaper just to write a $100,000 check and give it to somebody and say, sorry for the loss of your loved one, than it is to actually pay for the equipment to keep it from rolling over. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, And that just... It just shows you how dirty they are. You know, you got black lung in West Virginia and friends of coal that is not friends of coal miners and and groups like that have went and and, and had legislation pushed that allowed these coal companies to hire their own doctors to look at the x-rays to decide if a person has black Jesus. lung or not. No, by the way, guess what? Yeah. They never found anybody that had any traces of black lung. What a shock. While people were choking to death. God, it's incredible. And you know, uh, Joe Manchin, because of what's happened in Georgia over the past 12 hours, thank God, it looks like Joe Manchin is about to become one of the most talked about members of the United States Senate. Have you ever met uh, Senator Manchin? Uh, and do you think he'll end up being a spoiler or do you think he's going to play nice? No, Joe's going to be good to go. Joe actually messaged me not even an hour ago. Oh wow! I, just... uh, I know Joe very well. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Well, make no mistake about it. I have I have ripped Joe a new one so bad on social media. He called me the next day. Uh, <laughs> I don't give a shit who you are. If I do, if if I think you're not doing the right things, I'm going to let you know. But uh, Joe is Joe right now. Joe's going to become a very powerful person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's been in the Senate for a while now. He knows what he's doing. Uh, you know, he's in the majority uh, for the first time, uh, and I think that's that's going to be a big plus. We got the Senate. We got the House. Uh, I think this is a really good place for him to be. And, uh, you know, we got to hope that uh, he's going to be able to step up to the plate and finally do something, especially for people in West Virginia, that may convince them that, you know what, maybe we need to start looking back at these Democrats again. Yeah. Uh, because these Republicans sure ain't done nothing for us in quite some time. But that's the thing. And, and, and I, I have a lot of friends, you know, on the Hill, uh, and I message them quite often. You know, Congressman Swalwell, Correa, these guys, I, I message them quite often. Uh, and they know, they know right now, if, now that we've taken back the Senate, We've got two years. We have two years to pass legislation that can benefit people, not party, benefit the people. Don't give a shit what party they're from, Mm -hmm. but benefit the people in a way that makes them say, you know what? That was a pretty good two years. We got some real legislation done. We raised the minimum wage. We are closer to having affordable health care, or we have affordable health care. You know, we saw them, you know, they may not do everything in the Green New Deal, but they are going to bring some things in, charging stations all across the country. You know, 
There's gonna there's gotta be enough stuff that they can say they accomplished that makes people go, you know what? You know what the the, the, the Democrats didn't do too bad in those <laughs> last two years. Because we know that the Republicans have done nothing but keep everything in lockdown for for the last decade. That's right. You know? So now we have to show that we can do something when we have the power. Because if we don't, then be ready for the Republicans to take it back. If you were the majority leader in the Senate, uh, what would be the first priority? What would be the first thing that you would introduce on the floor of the Senate as far as uh, legislation goes? Oh, shoot. Uh, Well, I'll tell you right now, uh, overturning Citizens United. Hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Overturning Citizens United. Uh, and, and, and then I would go after right-to-work legislation. You know, uh, right-to-work legislation has done nothing but become a right-to-work for less. It's a union buster. And look, I ain't, a, I ain't a fan of a bunch of union leadership. I'm not. But the people at the bottom that are working and go, putting on their work boots and going to work every day, they deserve to have a seat at the table. They deserve collective bargaining. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then, and then the, the whole thing with, with uh, Citizens United, I mean, you know, we've got to get big money out of politics. There's a reason. You know, I, I ran for president. I ran for president for two months. And you know what? The reason why I suspended my race was because, number one, I realized if you don't have political clout, nobody really wants you. Yeah. Uh, and number two, if you don't have unlimited funds, you don't have a snowball's chance. And I received a donation from a handicapped person in San Francisco. And to me, I thought to myself, I can't do that. Because I know for a fact, they, they, I was on The Morning Joe, I was on Meet the Press, I was on State of the Union, I was on those shows, I was on Van Joe's, I did those shows. But nobody called me a presidential candidate. Chuck Todd was the only person that said presidential candidate Richard Ojeda, but he only said it after I suspended my race. Hmm. Today, presidential candidate Richard Ojeda has suspended his race. Yeah. That's the first time anybody said my name as a presidential candidate. But I was out there busting my ass, and I'll tell you right now. If I would have made it to that first debate, I may not have won the presidency, but I would have opened up a lot of eyes and I would have said the things that need to be said because I was ready. You know, they told they asked Beto O'Rourke, what's the number one problem facing America? What did he say? Climate change. Okay, so you honestly think that Beto O'Rourke is going to do anything to fight climate change? He takes more money from big energy than anybody other than Ted Cruz. So he's going to drag his feet for four years and, and, and give us excuses why he couldn't do anything. Because why? Because that daggone money from big energy is just too nice. And that's the way that it is. There's also people that absolutely take money from big pharma. I will physically throw big pharma out of my office. They have killed my people. My area was ground zero for the opioid epidemic. We've got emails that were captured that said, keep them coming, boys. They're eating them up like Doritos. You keep them making them, they're going to keep taking them. They killed my people where I'm from. I can take you 15 minutes from where I live right now and take you to a pharmacy in an area that has 300 people that push 9 million pain pills in a year. Jesus. That is what the big, that's what Big Pharma did to me. That's what Big Pharma did to my hometown and my state. We are ground zero. In the Huntington, West Virginia, we had 56 people overdose in, 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 in a four-hour period. It was the, it was the death capital at, the, at one point. You know, I mean, that's how bad it was. And you got legislators that have the gall to talk about they're going to fight the, the opioid epidemic, but they take money from these big pharma companies. You're lying. You're not going to do that. 
you're going to continue dragging your feet while these people continue to kill. There's a reason why we still are fighting the battle with cannabis in this country, because big pharma cannot control the money with cannabis, so they're going to do everything in their power to fight states to make sure that it doesn't pass in those states. The moment that big pharma can figure out how they can control all the money from cannabis, they will make that shit illegal. They'll be giving that stuff in the grade schools. It's legal now, right? Is uh, cannabis legal, medical cannabis legal in West Virginia now? I, I seem to remember that it my is. Bill. What did you say? It was it was my bill. Oh, okay. My bill made West Virginia. Yeah, my bill made West Virginia the 29th state to become <clears throat> legal for medical cannabis. But... It's legal on paper alone. Mm -hmm. What they did was they did damage to my bill. I wanted everybody that gets the card to grow four mature and four seedlings in their own home because rich people or or poor people get cancer more than rich people because poor people drink from the tap and rich people drink Evian. And when you're in West Virginia, you're drinking from the tap and that water's coming from a damn coal mining runoff. And, and we have one of the highest cancer rates in the country. So, you know, I wanted to be able to allow people to do that. Well, guess what? They still, and my bill passed in 2017, they still have not administered the cards for the people that are going to get uh, to be able to to, to get uh, cannabis. Uh, they have uh, uh, what is it? What else? What else? Uh, basically, they they the next year you had a group of lawyers that basically was working to get all control of the cannabis, and then they were going to become friggin' billionaires, and nobody else was going to get any opportunities to do anything in cannabis. Mm-hmm. And then in this last year, what happened was is our garbage governor decided to give everybody contracts for the growing of the cannabis that aren't even from this state. You know, nobody in West Virginia gets anything. They took our our timber, and the people of West Virginia were none the better. They took our coal, the people in West Virginia were none the better. Now they're taking our natural gas, and the people in West Virginia are going to be none the better. And now they're going to go ahead and allow people that ain't even from West Virginia to come in here and control all of the efforts that deal with cannabis. And we're going to be none the better for it. And it's an absolute, it's a shame. Yeah. Once again, being burned by the fire before they learned not to touch the hot stove, right? That's, you think with, like. with all these things stacking up against West Virginia voters, they would say, you know what? Maybe we're with the wrong team. Maybe these guys in the Republican Party aren't helping us out at all. But of course, they're not doing that well, because but, they're, yeah, they're snowed by well, the wedge issues. Well, you're right. But for 80 some years, the Democrats controlled the state. Mm. And here's the problem. The reason why the Republicans beat the Democrats in, in 2014. Do you want to know why? Why? Because the Democrats sucked. <laughs> they wasn't real Democrats. Yeah. They were just that going claim. They claimed to be Democrats because that's what everybody was in West Virginia. Right. And all they did was enrich themselves and shove money in their pockets and show up down here right before the elections and write three checks to the three biggest crooks in the county. And then they disappeared and expected everybody to vote for them. They didn't do jack shit for us. They didn't bring us anything. Our lives were not better. People remained poor and, 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 and continued to get even poor. And that's what the Democrats did. So the Democrats lost power. In 2014. And from 2014 until now, they have killed this state. Right to work has come about. 
they've, they've allowed these companies, they push legislation that allows companies to now file for bankruptcy. And when a company files for bankruptcy, they no longer have to pay the retirements of the people that retired. They don't have to pay any of the medical stuff. They don't have to go back and clean up the land from the disasters that they made. They just leave it and go. And they don't even pay the people that work for them when they file for bankruptcy. They sneak out like a thief in the night. And then you got people like we had in Harlan County, Kentucky, standing on railroad tracks, refusing trains to go into the area where they would load it up with coal. Because why? Because the guy, the owner of the company, the coal operator, pulled pitch and ran and filed for bankruptcy when nobody even knew anything about it. And oh, by the way, he left the damn state and nobody got paid the money that they were owed for the month that they were working. So that's what you have. And it's allowed because we have people that allow it to happen. You know, I want to unleash you, uh, Richard, on the protesters that are gathered on Capitol Hill right now. And I say gathered, that's a, a shitty word to use. They are actually trying to storm their way into the Capitol building. Have you seen this uh, today? Yeah, 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 we see it. We see it. You know what? I'll tell you right now. It's time for our government to step up to the plate and deal with these people. You know, when I see people in Oregon kicking the damn doors and windows in, you know, those are the, that's the American Taliban, and we're allowing that crap to happen. You know, make no mistake about it. If those people had Black Lives Matter shirts on, they'd be getting shot and the shit stomped out of them right now. But because they're a bunch of daggone Trump jackaloons, apparently we just allow that stuff to go on. It's time for the FBI. It's time for the CIA. It's time for the United States military. Let's go ahead and bring in the global response response force and let's crush this shit right now before it gets even worse yeah this is absolute. it's a travesty what we see going on right now and you know what these people act like they want war if they had ever seen war they know they don't want no part of it all these people are a bunch of wannabes yeah. running around here carrying guns acting like there's something special make no mistake about it democrats have guns too we just don't need them to daggone be hanging over our neck when we go buy a damn Subway sandwich at Subway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of those guys are just playing dress them up. And, you know, I just noticed on uh, Twitter, Malcolm Nance just tweeted that uh, Capitol Hill police are now arming with long rifles and armor. So things are uh, good, good. getting out of control, yeah, but well, not for long, I imagine. Huh? Well, well, I'll tell you right now, they can, they can squash that shit. And every damn body that's a daggone person that's pushing this stuff and, and is a leader in that stuff, they can be dealt with, too. They can be dealt with, too. Wow. You know, this is absolutely unacceptable. We got people, we got, they, these are people that want war. They want war because they've never seen war. And they better understand that that's one thing that they don't want to get into. Make no mistake about it. That's a Pandora's box that your ass can't close once you open it. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you what, the last thing you want to see is a second Ranger battalion knocking on your front door or the 82nd <laughs> Airborne Division or the 101st Airborne Division. Because let me tell you something, I don't give a shit how much you think you got. You don't want no smoke with that. And you get the sense that, you know, for example, the 82nd Airborne, they're going to stick with the United States government, right? There's nobody who's going to break away and support Trump supporters, red hats, this ridiculous cosplayer Every army, right? One of us. Every single one of us raised our hand and took an oath to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and Thank bear true faith and allegiance to the same. And I'm going to tell you right now, the, the, the military is going to do what the military does. And, 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 and I'll tell you right now, you ain't going to sit and tell me that you're going to have a bunch of admirals and generals out there that are going to throw their careers in the garbage to daggone protect a losing president that for the last two months has looked like the biggest crybaby <laughs> on the face of the earth. The biggest crybaby on the face of the earth. And these people that are out there acting like they want war, they're, those are the people that are just not that smart. Yeah. Those are the people that are easily duped. 
They're the ones that fall for conspiracy theories. They believe in QAnon. Because why? Because they don't know how to research anything. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're not that damn intelligent. Why? Because for the first time in their life, because they have shitty lives, they think that maybe this can do something for them and get them out of the shithole that they live in. And make no mistake about it, it won't. It won't. It's just going to end badly for each and every one of them. And that's the way, that's their, that's their friggin' future. You know, I said it earlier, but I'm going to say it again. We desperately need more Democrats like you, Richard. Uh, you're just outstanding. What, what's next for you, my friend? You're doing a podcast now, right? Yeah, yeah. I have a podcast now on YouTube. It's called Airborne. Uh, uh, my first episode was Andrew Yang. The second one was Eric Feigelding, which was the uh, coronavirus whistleblower. Mm. And then the third one was Ice T. So I'm bringing people from all over. You know, it don't have to be talking about politics. And so Ice T was a phenomenal interview. Uh, you know, he told me, he said, uh, he said, you know, I turned down 100 people a month asking me to be on their podcast. He said, but I saw you on television one time threatening to drag somebody outside and beat their ass in the street. He said, I respect your gangster. So I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> That's so great. Oh, holy shit. And I yeah. hope, I hope you're going to consider running for office again. Are you going to run for something again? Well, well, right now, I'm getting ready to move my entire family. We're all going to North Carolina. We're rebuilding our retirement homes. I love North Carolina. I, I spent literally most of my career at Fort Bragg. Mm-hmm. So we love it down there. We love the weather down there. You know, I'm not going down there to run for office, but make no mistake about it. When I get down there, I'm always going to take a look at the political climate. And I'll tell you, I, if I see somebody that I don't think is a leader, that's out there trying to act like a leader and nobody will step up to the plate and call them out. Make no mistake about it. I I maintain the right. I maintain the right to call out anybody that I want and I'll challenge anybody that I want. And you know what? I mean, I don't have to be a politician. I don't have to be a politician, but I ain't scared to be one. (laughs) Just outstanding. Major Richard Ojeda. Where can people find you on social media? My friend. Well, uh, I got the blue check on Twitter. I got the blue check on Facebook. There you go. And then, of course, YouTube. We have the uh, the the podcast, and I I go live every night. Now I'm not going live tonight and tomorrow, but normally I go live single night for at least an hour. Uh, you know, I talk, I, I, I print out memes of the day, things that I see that kind of bring up good conversation. Mm-hmm. And I always make sure that at the end, I open the floor up and I answer any questions from anybody that has. And sometimes I'll get some guy that just wants to say Trump 2020 and I'll smoke <laughs> him real fast and we'll move on to the next question. Oh, holy shit. Okay. Well, I'm going to put a link in the description for, uh, your social media, certainly for your, uh, YouTube podcast. Thank you so much for your time today, Major. Really appreciate it. And uh, boy, you're great. Yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. Hey, thanks. I appreciate you bringing me on, brother. I really do. Take it easy. Bye-bye.